بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه إمام عبد الله الحداد may Allah have mercy on him is considered the reviver of the 12th Islamic century his teachings have a profound impact in reaching the heart such that he was called Haddad al-Qulub the heartsmith in this series we engage in brief readings from his various works and discuss their wisdom and impact on our lives Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome to the Heartsmith podcast. Uh, our monthly reading from the books of Imam Abdullah bin Alawi al-Haddad, may Allah have mercy on him and be well pleased with him. And the books of Imam al-Haddad who was the Mujaddid, the reviver of the 12th Islamic century, uh, have a really profound impact on the heart. And uh, you can see in his words and in his books uh, that he doesn't add anything that's unnecessary. He really focuses on uh, primarily all that is of benefit. Uh, so welcome to everyone and inshallah we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, to accept this gathering from us. And alhamdulillah I'm joined uh, with my by my dear brother uh, Ustad Yusuf Welch and we'll begin inshallah reading from the book An-Nasa'ih Ad-Diniyya and for those following in the Arabic we're on page 150. And then page 83 of the uh, English translation. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Min kitab al-Nasaih al-Diniyya wal-Wasai al-Imaniyya ila anqar radiyallahu anhu. Wa qad yu'aqib qabla al-Mawt kama waqa'a thalika li qarun min bani Israel hina mana'a al-Zaka. Qala ta'ala fakhasafna bihi wa bidarihi al-Ard. He may also be punished before his death as has happened to Korah, Qarun, the Israelite, when he withheld zakat. God exalted as he says, we made the earth to swallow him and his house. وَقَدْ وَرَدَ أَنَّ الْمَالَ الَّذِي لَا يُزَكَّ يَتَمَثَّلْ لِصَاحِبِهِ فِي مَوْقِفِ الْقِيَامَةِ حَيَّةٌ عَظِيمًا فَيُطَوَّقْ بِهَا عُنُقَهِ It has been transmitted that every wealth that zakat the, that every wealth, the zakat of which had been withheld, shall take the form of a great serpent on the day of resurrection and shall be wrapped around the culprit's neck. God exalted as he says, they shall have that which they had avariciously withheld wrapped around their necks on the day of arising. And this is all in relation to the zakat. So this is uh, under the section where Imam al-Haddad is talking about zakat and the danger and the threats of punishment that are associated with someone who willfully uh, does not pay their zakat. And so it's something that we have to proactively think about uh, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, this is one of the things if you look at it even in a larger context, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you know, whoever male or female believes in Allah and does good deeds, will give that person a good life. So some of the reward is experienced in the life of this world. And here Imam al-Haddad is also saying that may Allah protect us and forgive us that when we uh, make mistakes or for certain sins, especially something associated with one of the pillars of Islam and the obligations, that uh, if a person falls short in fulfilling it, that also some of those punishments uh, can proceed and occur in the life of this world. 
وقال عليه الصلاة والسلام ما من صاحب ذهب ولا فضة لا يؤدي منها حقها إلا إذا كان يوم القيامة صفحت له صفائح فأحمي عليها في نار جهنم فيكوى بها جبينه وجنبه وظهره كلما بردت أعيدت له في يوم كان مقداره خمسين ألف سنة الحديث بطوله بطوله The Prophet, may God's blessings and peace be upon him, said, Each possessor of gold or silver who does not pay out its due shall have them on judgment day made into leaves, which shall be heated in the fire of hell. Then his forehead, flank, and back shall be burned with them. Whenever the leaves grow cold, it shall all be repeated, on a day the length of which is 50,000 years. وفيه أن صاحب الماشية التي لا يخرج زكاتها تأتيه يوم القيامة أوفر ما كانت فتطأه بأخفافها وأظلافها وتعضه بأفواهها وتنحطه بقرونها. It is also stated in hadith that we that he who owns cattle but does not pay the zakat due on it, they will come on resurrection day more numerous than they had ever been. to trample him underneath their hooves, bite him with their teeth, and stab him with their horns. Uh, and here, this is, this is actually a very important uh, reminder, uh, largely because, you know, sometimes we, obviously, we gravitate towards hearing about the rewards, and that's something that is pleasing to the soul. But subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an and His beloved Messenger sallallahu there's always a balance of the wa'ad and wa'id and targheeb and tarheeb. The promise of reward, but it's also balanced with the threat of punishment. And, uh, you know, the believer has to be between a state of, of hope and fear. But it also is helpful because different people respond to different things. Someone might say, you know, like, I am really uh, motivated by promises of reward, but maybe the threats don't motivate me as much. But maybe there's someone else who's far more motivated by the threat of reward. There is a, uh, there's a beautiful verse in the Quran where Allah speaks about uh, some of the similar uh, punishments uh, with regards to holding back the zakat. That Allah says, فَذُوقُوا مَا كُنْتُمْ تَكْنِزُونَ that uh, tastes that which you used to hoard, right? And the word kens is used, right? a person's treasure. And uh, I think there's a, a good correlation here with the idea of what the, the purpose of wealth itself, that if a person uh, uses the wealth right, for that which is uh, it, it is meant for, which is to seek the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and right, also to fulfill one's worldly and religious needs, then they are drawing nearer to Allah. But if they, uh, and if they use it for the wrong, right, then they're, they're turning away from Allah. But then there's also this gray area in the middle that you're not using at all. Right? So that also is seen as something that is detrimental to the person. Uh, because uh, obviously if, if it's cu coupled with love for that wealth in just for it, it itself, right, then Right, so the idea is that this blessing of wealth, right, that it's a means to draw nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if some person is not using it for those means, then it's a type of ingratitude. Mm. Right? And then the, the harms of those ingratitude, that ingratitude is both spiritual and 
right? Obviously, these are uh, physical threats as well, right? But it's amazing that Allah uses the word kens, right? Mm. To, to hoard something. And, and that's the idea of like, like modern taxes, right? Mm. right? They, they, they're applied to income, but not on uh, hoarded wealth. Mm. Right? Whereas zakat is, applies to the hoarded wealth, not just the, mm. the, the income, the current income, because right, even the zakat has to, there's a whole year that's stipulated that has to pass over that wealth. So as soon as it becomes uh, uh, a wealth that you've had for a whole year, then the zakat is applies completely opposite of the modern understanding. Yeah, understanding. SubhanAllah, there's so much that could be said. Uh, but one of the things that uh, that I'm reminded of, you know, reading this passage, is uh, something we read recently where one of the salihin who exerted himself and sacrificed a lot, in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Someone asked him, why are you working so hard? Why are you in ibadah, essentially? He said, you know, I'm uh, wearing myself out and tiring myself and exerting myself here so that I can find rest in the hereafter. Mm -hmm. right? And it's, it's the same applies. Like all of these things that we might have an inclination towards, wealth and luxury and food and all those types of things, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised us uh, promised us that which is far greater of all of those things in the hereafter. So you give up a little bit of it here in the world and you don't withhold you know, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to give. And then the result is so much more. But then if you don't, here it's like the burden of those things that you take with you into the akhirah of having it wrapped around you and multiplied and that they trample. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. And there's even meanings and like why that specific punishment mm. and because uh, Imam Ghazali mentions that on the day of judgment all of the things that were abstract in this world become physical like tangible yeah, representations true. in the next so what is the correlation between being strangled right and not giving up of one's wealth miserly yeah that's something to think about inshallah. I don't know inshallah we can move on to the next book inshallah ta'ala Now we're reading uh, Kitab Al-Da'wat Al-Tamma. What page of the Arabic are we in? Page 163. We're page 94 of the English, uh, and the book is The Complete Summons and General Reminder. فالمحتال في استحلال الربا الذي حرمه الله عليه بنذر أو إقرار ونحو ذلك وهو يعلم من باطنه أنه لم يقصد بذلك النذر والإقرار إلا ليجيزه في الظاهر على من لا يعلم بالباطن من المخلوقين Thus he who accepts usury through ruses Thus, he who accepts usury through ruses such as vows or declarations, aware that he is doing this only to deceive those who see him doing it and cannot penetrate his inner thoughts, is but a deceiving trickster who wishes to deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But he is mighty and invincible and knows everything that exists, whether on earth or in heaven. والذي يكتب لهؤلاء المحتالين والذي يشهد لهم بذلك مهما علموا ببواطن أمورهم 
وغلب على ظنهم قستهم ذلك بقرائن أحوالهم شركاؤهم في باطلهم وغرورهم وما يترتب على ذلك من التعرض لعقاب الله وعذابه وسيعلم الذين ظلموا أي منقلب ينقلبون As for he who acts as a scribe or a witness for such people, this is about usurious uh, riba transactions. As for he who acts as a scribe or a witness for such people, if he is aware from the evidence he witnesses of their real intentions, yet still helps them, he becomes their partner in fraud and deceit and will thus share the consequence, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment. And the wrongdoers will come to know which end will be theirs. And just to give a little bit of context, I think, uh, for example, if someone is listening to this for the first time, this is the first, uh, you know, Hartsmith and Jalsat al-Awabin that they've attended, they might feel that, you know, how is this all interconnected? And um, one of the beautiful practices in places like Tarim and Hadramaut and, and many of the Islamic civilizations that haven't been as affected by modernity is kind of like a very organic relationship with knowledge mm -hmm. is that they'll pick up these books and wherever they're at in the book they'll read from it and they'll be able to absorb that knowledge um, in a way that might not be as linear yeah, as as we kind of tend to learn and read books yeah. um, which is actually very much like the quran the quran just wherever the quran takes you you go it's gone for the ride <laughs> exactly exactly so someone might be saying like we just were talking about zakat. Now it's a different book with kind of a different topic, mm -hmm. but it's almost like you're you're in a buffet, yeah. and you're taking from all of the really uh, delicious and beneficial uh, foods, and and each of it has its place. Um. So here, Imam Al Haddad is talking about how one needs to remind and educate uh, people who are involved in business and trade and commerce and farming. So essentially people who, uh, you know, the, their work immediately has kind of tangible uh, impact on their, their livelihood and their provisions. So he's warning people here, which is actually very interesting that we were just reading about withholding zakat. Yeah. He's warning people here about other types of forbidden uh, financial, uh, you know, practices mm -hmm. that one must be aware of and careful of. Mm -hmm. And, and there's a, there's also like a, a double uh, a, a double discourse here that one is to the person who takes the usury, right, or is directly re, uh, engaged in usury, but also someone who's assisting them, right? someone who is just there to write the contract or just there to uh, to help them. That if they know that their purpose is to do that, because one thing is obvious usury, but there's a lot of loopholes as he's mentioning, right? and some of these loopholes are very common. Right. Like for instance, uh, uh, I will borrow forty thousand dollars from you, right? And then a separate contract, I'll sell you my my ballpoint pen, right, for fifty thousand mm. dollars to be paid later on, mm. right? So this is right, technically by the letter of the law, it's not it's two separate contracts. There is no uh, return on the loan itself. It's a separate thing. But is a, a pen really worth fifty thousand dollars? Yeah. Right, so if someone knew that and they wrote that contract, then they, they would be a, a partner in that sense. Right? Because the, the purpose is the same. The goal is the same. is to get a loan with, right, uh, with an increased return. Mm. Right, the pen is just put in there. Just yeah, for, like a for show. Right? Yeah, like you said, it's a loophole. <laughs> exactly. 
but it's uh mashallah may Allah save us from i mean but this is this i mean this is why these books are so important whatever we're doing in our lives whatever even if this is far from what our profession is it it shows us that we have to really have a high standard of ihsan and scrupulousness yeah. right and that these are ahkam these are rulings that we should learn about and obviously you know in in uh, for our purposes today we're not going to be able to do that but if you're able to take a course on you know the halal and haram financial inter uh, you know transactions um you know there are there are classes online like seekers guidance and other places where people can at the very least get a foundation in that ثم اعلم ان مداخل الربا كثيره وعلى التاجر ان يتعلم من ذلك ما يكثر وقوعه ويكثر تعاطي الناس له وما اشكل عليه بعد ذلك سال عنه اهل العلم الذي الذين يخشون الله ويتقونه now know that usury has numerous forms riba and that a merchant must acquaint himself with the most frequently occurring forms then inquire about whatever remains obscure from those scholars who are God-fearing and pious. Not those who are adept at special dispensations and interpretations, who come up with literal interpretations that are incorrect in the opinion of scholars who understand the book, sunnah, and precedence of the virtuous predecessors. Know that usury, and he's saying this 300 years ago in a very protected uh, place, Tareem. Know that usury and other similar invalid transactions have become widespread these days and involve the generality of people except those whom Allah protects and few indeed are these. This is something that was foretold by the truthful and trustworthy. May Allah's blessings and peace be upon him. As-Sadiq al-Amin, the titles of the Prophet For he said, there will come a time when everyone will take usury, when even those who do not will be affected by its dust. Yeah, but this is, this is uh, you know, becomes increasingly important as well. Um, even if you look at certain things like fiqh al if you look at the science of essentially the, the changing times, uh, the changing times, you see, for example, um, that now people are realizing that a lot of things in the, the, the economic system, especially when it's based on usury and things of that nature, it actually creates a lot of instability. Mm -hmm. And then when one piece kind of 
falls, it increase, it can create like a domino effect. So you're starting to see people um, really revive, even for example, like in Tarim, the trades and different skills, people doing their own startup businesses, people trying to find ways not to necessarily be um, confined to the rules of one system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so learning about these ahkam are really, really important, and I think people are already looking for alternatives. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab, he used to say that no one can enter into our, our, our marketplace until they have le- uh, a deep understanding of the religion. Mm, because if they do uh, if they do trade and transact without that knowledge, then they will fall into usury, whether they want to or not, okay. whether they like it or not. And that, that points to the, what you were just mentioning just now, that to have a type of knowledge and a, a, a consciousness of the Sharia and a scrupulousness to look out for certain things and to kind of be sensitive to certain things that may be uh, against the principles of the sacred law. Inshallah. So inshallah, we'll move on to the next book, which is Knowledge and Wisdom. And we are on page 84 of the Arabic. Page 66 in the English. So we're on the, the still following along with the chapter on gentleness. إِلَىٰ أَنْقَى رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ مِنْ كِتَابِ الْفُصُولِ الْعِلْمِيَ وَالْأُصُولِ الْحِكَمِيَّةِ وَأَمَّا إِذَا خَافَ مِنْ فَوَاتِ الْمَطْلُوبِ أَوْ تَشَوُّشُهُ أَوْ تَشَوُّشِهِ مَعَ الْرِفْقِ وَاللُطْفِ كَمَا قَدْ يَقَعَ ذَلِكَ نَادِرًا مَعَ بَعْضِ الْخَلْقِ those who most particularly need to use gentleness are those who occupy high positions of either religious or worldly responsibility. With gentleness, they can win people over and adroitly manage their affairs, thus becoming so supported by the majority and gaining many followers so that uh, people are able to benefit from them fully. In contrast, leaders who set aside gentleness and take to harshness and force never uh, to take to harshness and force never enjoy wide support. Even when some appear to have such support, it can be no more than superficial, while inwardly they will be hatred, there will be hatred, revulsion and feelings of oppression. Mm. That's amazing. فظهر أن الرفق هو الخير الصرف وأنه لا ينبغي للإنسان العاقل أن يحول شيئا من الأمور إلا به سيما ما يتعلق منها بالناس Thus gentleness is entirely good and no intelligent person should try to accomplish anything without it especially when dealing with others I mean this is, this is such an amazing chapter and I know that when, uh, when we read even just the, the first couple of paragraphs with Sheikh Yahya that he was so taken by it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very true. It's um, unfortunately they say that uh, you know you don't gain wisdom except through experience mm-hmm. and you don't get a lot of experience except through failure. So you you uh, you you lack wisdom in order to gain wisdom sometimes. But uh, but even just in personal dealings with people, uh, I can't think of any situation 
where a harshness brought a positive mm-hmm. result. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and it's uh, sometimes it's counterintuitive because you feel like no, I got to be harsh with this person, mm-hmm. but uh, I can't think of a situation where it brought about a lasting positive result. Mm-hmm. So, especially not the harshness of hearts. I mean. Mm-hmm. You may see some examples where someone is uh, a strong, uh, strong action towards someone, but inwardly they're gentle. Mm. Like when the Prophet grabbed Sayyidina Omar by his shirt and said, mm. "Isn't it? Is it? Is it not time that you, mm. uh, that you accepted Islam or that something of that nature?" Uh, uh, because Omar is a very strong person, mm. right? but in no way, shape, or form was there ever any, any harshness or ill intent mm. in that. Because right, some people have strong personalities, right? It doesn't yeah. mean that. Right, so gentleness is not like a weakness, right? But uh, but that you got purity of heart. Yeah, outwardly yeah. you have to kind of speak. He's going to talk about yeah. that. You kind of have to speak to them in a language that they can understand. Yeah. But even then, it's exceptional. Exactly. Even then, it's exceptional. من خاص من خاص كأهله وأولاده وخدمه ومن عام كغيرهم. ولا ينبغي له أن يعدل عنه وهو يمكنه أن يحصل مطلوبه ومقصوده معه ولو على تراخم. This gentleness is entirely good, and no intelligent person should try to accomplish anything without it, especially when dealing with others. First of all, one's family and servants, and then everyone else. It should never be overlooked, for it always yields the required results, even in uh, even if not immediately. So even if not immediately, I think yeah. that is like you can underline that like three times. Yeah, bold letters. Because, you know, we live in a world where especially when you, you know, when people are interacting with one another and they feel like someone's causing problems or getting in the way, people want immediate results, mm-hmm. an immediate solution. Yeah. But it doesn't always, you know, so it, it will bear results, but maybe not immediately, maybe after some time. Yeah. <laughs> وأما إذا خاف من فوات المطلوب أو تشوشه مع الرفق واللطف كما قد يقع ذلك نادرا مع بعض الخلق للؤم للؤم ونذالة تكون في فطرهم وطبائعهم بحيث يضر بهم الأخذ معهم بالرفق والمعاشرة لهم باللطف فينبغي الأخذ معهم بالعنف والشدة ظاهرا على قصد إصلاحهم وتقويمهم on some rare occasions, however, gentleness may be ineffective, especially when dealing with certain mean and ignoble natures. To treat such people with gentleness would be harmful to them. Rather, they should be treated with in an apparent harsh and severe manner, but with the intention of reforming them and, and correcting their behavior. A certain knower of God once said, Some people are only shells devoid of reason. If you do not overpower them, they will overpower you. Uh, Not far removed from this is Al-Mutanabbi saying, uh, Allah have mercy on him, you win the noble when you honor him, but with the vile it only breeds incidents. 
for graciousness where the sword should be is no less pernicious than the reverse. Mm, so here he, he's referring to understanding people's natures and, and uh, you know, how to deal with them. And even as you beautifully mentioned, the way that the Prophet dealt with someone like Sayyidina Umar, for example, he required a certain outward manifestation to, to, to help him sort of make that step. ولكن إنما يكون ذلك في نادر من الأحوال مع شواذ مع شواذ من الناس قل فيهم الخير وضعفت منهم العقول وغلبت عليهم الجهال والحماقة مع شراسة مع شراسة في طبائعهم وسبعية في نفوسهم. But these are rare instances involving deviant people of weak intelligence who have little good in them. Being ignorant and foolish, with vicious natures and beastly souls, they are the only ones to be treated harshly, but with the aim of reforming them and as a protection against their viciousness. Mm. So this would be maybe even a better example. Obviously, that this doesn't apply at all to someone mm. of the great uh, status and maqam of someone like Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu. Yeah. But you could apply this to like I was thinking of. Um, Imam Siraj Wahaj kind of cleaning up the neighborhood around Masjid al-Taqwa. There were people selling drugs and there were people doing all kinds of stuff. And those are the types of people you got to say, hey man, if you come around here, we're going to have to put you in your place. <laughs> and and that's the only language that they understand, yeah. Yeah. right? We're not, so 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 it, it would seem that that's yeah. kind of the exception that Imam al-Haddad is alluding to, that there are some people that, you know, if you ask them nicely, they're just going to take advantage of you. Sure, sure. Um, and even in the story of Sayyidina Umar, like, uh, he, he came to the house of, of Arqam, where the Prophet mm, was, with a sword unsheathed, mm. right? So the, the outward uh, understanding that anyone would have when they see them is that right, that there may be ill intent, right? Even though the Prophet knew that so, there wasn't, right? But, uh, but had he come like, in a different state, maybe he would have, a different response would have been warranted. <laughs> we'll just finish this part here. Naam. فلا ينبغي الأخذ بغير الرفق واللطف إلا مع من هذا وصفه على قصد اصطلاحه والاستكفاف لشره وفساده وعلى ذلك ينزل ما أخذ به بعض الأكابر من ترك الرفق في بعض الأحوال مع بعض الناس. This explains why, on certain occasions and with certain people, great men of God can be rigorous. Thus, gentleness is the principle and the rule to, to cleave to accept when it is feared that a worker of corruption may thereby step up his corruption and transgressions, and it is felt that he can be stopped only by a certain amount of severity and harshness. Inshallah, there's so much. There's the so rule much is gentleness. And the yeah, that's the rare exception. exception right. Is uh, other than that, and when in doubt, gentleness. <laughs> now we'll read from Risalat al Muawana, the Book of Assistance. This is page one twenty five in the Arabic. Page 84 in the English. I think it'll be. No. No. Bismillah. In Kitab 
رسالة المعاونة والمظاهر المؤازرة للراغبين من المؤمنين في سلوك طريق الآخرة للإمام عبد الله بن علي الحداد عليه رحمة الله تعالى إلى أن قال وإياك والمداهلة فإنها من الجرائم وهي أن يكون الحامل لك على السكوت الخوف من فوات مال أو جاه أو نفع يكون من قبل المباشر للمنكر أو غيره من الفسقة so then here Imam al-Haddad is talking about in the chapter on enjoining what is good and forbidding what is evil. He says, beware of dissimulation, for it is a crime. This is to remain silent for fear of losing a position, money, or any other benefit, the source of which is the person committing the reprehensible act or any other depraved person. وعليك إذا أمرت أو نهيت بالإخلاص لله تعالى والرفق وحسن السياسة وإظهار الشفقة فما اجتمعت هذه الخصال في عبد مع كونه عاملا بما أمر به مجتنبا لما نهى عنه إلا كان لكلامه صولة وهيبة في الصدور ووقع في القلوب حلاوة في الأسماء وحلاوة في الأسماء this is so interesting how the books are the, the same kind of messages or zakat with with riba and then here the rifq. Know that when you enjoin or forbid something, that this should be done sincerely for Allah, gently wisely and with compassion. For these attributes do not combine in one person who acts and refrains in accordance with his injunctions, but that his words become effective and evoke reverence, a powerful response from the heart and a sweetness in the ears, and seldom shall his words be rejected. وكل من تحقق بمراقبة الله والتوكل عليه والتخلق وتخلق وتخلق بالرحمة على عباده لم يقدر أن يملك نفسه عند مشاهدة المنكر حتى يزيله أو يحال بينه وبين ذلك بما لا قدرة له على دفعه. Anyone who has true vigilance for Allah, reliance upon Him, and has acquired the attribute of mercy towards His servants cannot prevent himself from removing every evil that he sees, except when prevented from doing so by means which he cannot overcome. I mean, this is so, this is so beautiful when you couple, you know, whenever just kind of the visceral response in, in, in my mind, when I hear Amr bin Ma'ruf wa nahi anil munkar, you know, I grew up in Saudi Arabia and they had this at the time, now I think it's been uh, disbanded, at the time, they had kind of this uh, institution called the uh, the group that commands good and forbids evil. And the way that they would often do it, I think there were some people who are probably more educated than others and some who are more sincere than others. Uh, but the way that it happened all too often was like really rough and really um, harsh. You know, they would arrest people if they were outside during the Salah time in the masjid, you know, and um, 
they would accuse people of doing, I've seen it with my own eyes, like they would accuse people of acting, uh, you know, with indecency and they have no proof and they have, you know, police officer with them and so forth. So it really like in that society, it really created like a bitter taste, a sour taste in people's mouths for quote unquote religious people. But then when you read just, you know, just a few uh, sentences from Imam al-Haddad, it's like a, a, a bomb that kind of soothes that whole, uh, um, you know, wound. So he said, you know, that you do so sincerely for Allah, gently, wisely, and with compassion. And that it stems from, you know, if you really have vigilance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you have this awareness in your heart of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is that you want good for everyone and you want to remove everything harmful out of their way. Mm. Like if there was someone who knew that the food another person about, about, is about to eat is poisoned, mm. they would do anything within their power to stop them from killing themselves unknowingly. Mm. Um, but just the way that he describes it is such a, a healing, subhanAllah. If you contrast those two things, it goes from being something that people uh, are, are adverse to uh, or to being something that's a huge honor and a, an amazing uh, characteristic of this ummah no. right? as Allah says that, the, that you are the greatest of nations brought out for the sake of the people and that mankind, humankind is in need, a great need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there's like you said there's a lot of obstacles and forces out there that don't want that to happen and it's our it is our purpose and responsibility as an ummah uh, to to remove those barriers and to help those people attach and the, the qualities that he mentions that you command the good you forbid the evil and you believe in Allah no. uh, even Allah subhanahu even puts uh, faith last mm. in that sentence this, mm. uh, to showing the, the great importance of these first two but this is how it's supposed to be done these conditions here exactly and then, mashallah, even the last section is really beautiful, but we'll save it for another time. Thank you for listening to one of Al-Maqasid's online educational offerings. Our mission at Al-Maqasid is to cultivate holistic learning environments rooted in knowledge, devotion, and service by providing full-time, part-time, online, and community programs. For more information, please visit our website at almaqasid.org and connect with our other online content at almaqasid.org backslash connect.